So I want y'all to play a game of remembering with me. First of all, do you remember the first time you ever drove a car? How did that feel? I was terrified, like excited and terrified. Um, probably more terrified than excited. Do you remember the first time you ever kissed another person, like a real kiss? Like, oh gosh, scary and wonderful, right? Uh, no, it was not a good experience. <laughs> For some of us, that's true. You persevered. Tiffany's wonderful, so yeah, yeah. Um, what about for some of us, do you remember that, that night that you were with your little darling baby for the first time? I was like, I can't believe that they're trusting me with this. You know, like someone should know that I do not need to be trusted with this life. And so when we encounter first things, first steps, they are both terrifying and wonderful, right? Wonderful because of the new thing, but terrifying because we just, we don't really know what we're doing. And this is what we see in the book of Acts. Acts, as I told the kids, is like Luke part two. So they were written by the same author, and it picks up right where Luke part one, the gospel of Luke, left off. And in this book, so many things are happening for the very first time. Can you imagine church that had never been done before? There was no book of discipline. There was no history of this is the way we've always done it. It was, this is the very first baptism in the name of Jesus. These are the very first converts. We are sending out the very first missionaries. Nobody's ever done it before. So it's this wonderful time. So as we walk through the book of Acts, what I'm hoping is we will be encouraged as we're invited into all those things, because even still today, God is inviting us into things we've never done before. And they're wonderful, but they're terrifying. And so we're going to walk through the book of Acts and see how the early church dealt with it so that we can see how we can do that in our own life. So Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 3. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
You guys, this is a terrifying opener. It really is. It should strike fear in our hearts when we read the opening words of the books of Acts because the disciples still don't get it. Okay? They are not yet the men we have seen in stained glass windows, the men in icons, right, with, with golden halos around them, wise and strong and confident. They are not yet those guys. They're going to get there. And the book of Acts is part of that story of how they get there. But I need us to realize they're not there yet. And so did you notice in this scripture, they, Jesus is saying to them what? I'm going away, and now you're going to tell everybody about me. And what's their very next thing? Hey, Jesus, when are you going to do all the work? Right? We're excited. We're going to clap for you. We're going to cheer you on because you've got this. And Jesus says, no, very gently, he says, no, I'm returning to heaven, and now it's your job. This fills me with fear. It should fill you with fear. It definitely filled the disciples with fear. They're like, oh, can't be. Why? You're like, they, they did a capable job, but we don't know that yet. What we have in the story so far is what Luke has told us, right? We just go back. What did Luke say about these guys? Well, kind of uneven. I don't know that any of us would have hired them, okay? We've been like, maybe there's some more capable candidates out there. First of all, they were just ordinary guys, they, they didn't have, like, astounding reputations. They hadn't been killing it in business. They weren't the most righteous people out there. Uh, Levi was a tax collector, and when he had a party at his home and invited all of his tax collector buddies, everybody in the town said, why is Jesus eating with scum? Okay, so at least one of the disciples was called scum. Then there's Peter. He's a fisherman, He's out fishing. Jesus uses his boat, and he begins to realize who Jesus is. And as soon as he kind of catches a glimpse of who it is that's standing in his boat, he falls to his knees, and he says, get away from me. I am too much of a sinner for you to be around. Okay, so it's an uneven group of people, and their track record is uneven, right? I mean, there's a storm that rises up, and... And they're trying to do their best, and then they start screaming, we're going to die! No one can save us! Forget about that guy who we think might be the savior of the world. We're going to die, right? Um, there's, there's parents that are going to bring their kids so that Jesus can bless them, and the disciples are like, ain't nobody got time for that. Get those dumb kids out of here. Jesus doesn't want kids. Um, There's other people who start to get excited and start preaching in Jesus' name. And the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, these other guys are talking about you, and it's competition. You need to stop them. Jesus says, "Uh, no, it's great if more people are sharing the word of God. Um, I could just go on and on. There's this time that some Samaritans get a little snarky. They get a little snarky to Jesus, and two of the disciples are like, let's call down fire from heaven and burn them up. Right? Like, are they not getting the message that Jesus has been teaching day after day? They come to the Last Supper. You know, the Last Supper, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood of a new covenant. Jesus is saying these things, and Luke says, and the disciples are over there being like, hey, 
You know, I'm the best disciple. No, you're not. I'm the best disciple. No, it's me. At the Last Supper, when, when, when the crucifixion happens, right? And then there's Resurrection Sunday, and the women are witnesses, and they come back to the disciples. In the book of Luke, the disciples' response is, that's nonsense. Then when Jesus comes and appears to them, they all start screaming, it's a ghost! Okay, so let's put aside our stained glass view of our disciples for a minute. And let's be with them in this space. Where they don't have it. They're saying to Jesus, you cannot leave. You cannot leave. I can't preach. I can't heal. I can't follow your call. It's this, everything you've done is going to die if it's in my hands. Have you ever been there? Where God is calling you into something. It just feels like a chasm. Like there's no way. God is saying, I'm, I'm calling you to do this. I've been there. Many times, one of the times I remember it the most clearly is I got my first appointment as a pastor. We were driving into San Angelo, Texas for the first time, and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't move from sitting in the congregation to standing up at the front of the church. I was like, it took everything, every fiber of my being to not tell Kevin, hey, listen, this is a bad mistake. Let's turn around. I'm going to be a banker. I'm just, I'm out. It felt like a chasm. Have you ever been there? I've got some great news and some bad news. Those are always the spaces God's inviting us into. The spaces where we know we can't do it on our own. And there's a chasm opening up before us and God is saying, it's up to you. And you're saying, no, look, God, I've got a list of people who would be better at this than I would. I can give you the list. And this is what the disciples say to Jesus. I can give you the list. There's, you would be better at this, Jesus. Just stick around a little longer. And Jesus says no. But you're not going to be alone. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. So wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. You're going to be able to do more than you have ever done in your life before. He says, you're going to be my witnesses. You. In Jerusalem. In Judea. And Samaria and the ends of the earth. And with those words ringing in their ears, he's lifted up into heaven, and they're just staring at the sky. Come back, please, please, please come back. This is not a good idea. They are standing there so long that God sends angels. The angels say something like, Men of Galilee, why are you standing around, mouths agape, looking at the sky? Take your first steps. First steps into God's call. First steps into the future. First steps in this thing that Jesus has asked you to do. And so what I want us to look at is, we're going to see the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is completely transformative, both in the lives of the disciples and in us. But I want us to look, while we're waiting for the power of God in our own lives, seen through the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, but seen in different ways for us, 
what do we do when there's a chasm before us and we know that there's some things that only God can do, but there's got to be a few things that God could have us do? What, what are those things? What are the first steps? And so I want us to look at what the disciples did because they took really good first steps. The first thing that they did that we can do is they prayed. So they went home, you heard that, and then right immediately there's the 11 of them, they got the brothers of Jesus and Jesus' mom and the women who were disciples, and they all started praying. I don't know what they prayed, but I can imagine, can't you, what you would pray in that situation? And they didn't just say, okay, good, that's done. They made prayer a part of the fabric of their life. Like every time it started to feel overwhelming, they just grabbed whoever was near them and they, let's have some prayer. It's just too much. And if you were to ask me what is different about Bee Creek, about our church, I could tell you a lot of things. And one of the first ones I would tell you is we pray. We pray. Um, as your pastor, I pray. Some of you may have seen me walking around the campus. I do that every week, at least once a week, often multiple times. I have stood at the end of the sidewalk that went to nowhere for years, and I just prayed. That right at the edge, God, for whatever's next. Because there's always that next thing, right? Be with us. I've, I've stood in here before you come, I've knelt up here. I've sat right in the middle of all of us. And I've just prayed, Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill this place. I look out. I stand up here and I look out and I think of the time when you're going to be sitting there and I pray for you. I stand at the doorways to our classrooms with our kids and I pray for you if you're going to teach. I pray for the kids. Man, kids who get to grow up knowing Jesus. What a gift. I stand at the edge and I look out at the roads that come in and I pray for, for you if you're new. If it's the first time, if you've been far away or if you just came to this community, I pray for you that God would wrap you up in love and acceptance and help you to find your home in him. And y'all, that, that would be wonderful, right? But it doesn't stop there. You saw that the disciples, they didn't just pray alone. They prayed in groups of people. And so the pastors and I, we get together and we pray every week. And there's a group of people who in this church every week sends me a prayer that they're praying for me. And there's another group of dozens that if you wrote down a prayer this morning, this afternoon they will be praying for you. They will be praying for you. And there's small groups that meet, and there's Bible studies, and there's people taking hands in prayer and helping hand, and there's guys who meet at Willie's, and they're, they're praying before they eat, and we're praying together. We're praying together, especially when it's hard. I had somebody stop me as I was praying around the campus and said, I could use an extra prayer, and we just held hands there and we prayed. And so I'd encourage all of us to walk through our homes, stand in the doorways to whatever that room is, and pray. You know, go to your workplace. 
early so that you don't look crazy, right? Stand in the doorways of the people, the places that you work, or the cubicles or the desks, and just pray for the people you work with. Come here 10 minutes early. Come with your family. Come with your spouse. Come with your kids, with your friends, and say, you know, today we're going to go pray by the nursery for our little kids. The first step that we should take every day before any of the other paths that our feet take us down is into prayer. And especially when a chasm is opening up before us, that's when we need to gather that group together and say, I need you. So that's putting it on the prayer card. That's getting your friends and just saying, hey, I can't do it alone. Hey, you're not meant to. We're together. So the first step is prayer. The second step, it goes with it. It's reading the Bible. That's the second thing the disciples do. Uh, there's a lot that has happened, this brand new thing. And so one of the things that they do is that Peter starts to read the Bible and say, is there anything that can help us understand what's going on here? And he finds in the Psalms and in King David a lot of help and encouragement right for that moment. Now, you guys, I've read through the Bible a couple of times, uh, maybe more than a couple. I've gone to graduate school and studied the Bible And yet every time I feel like, and sometimes in particular, that I open the word of God, it speaks to me. There is something about God's word, this gift that God has given us about the way to go and the way to live life and how to address fears and doubts and failures and hopes. When I open up the Bible, sometimes, haven't you had this happen? You feel like, this is just for me. I need this very thing right now. And when, our, when we don't know what to do like the disciples, if we take that step of prayer and that step of reading the word of God and letting it change our lives, we're on such good footing. And I know sometimes it's really intimidating, just like prayer. So I'll tell you this about prayer. You cannot pray wrong. Okay? Just talk to God. You can't pray wrong. With reading the Bible, just start. Now, I know it's intimidating to start, and if you start in Genesis, you're into Leviticus really quick. And so I, I have done, every week I'm preaching, I make a study guide for you. It's in your bulletin. And it has a couple of scriptures with some reflection questions that you can do to read the Bible every day of your week. There's an upper room devotional in the back. You could get a one-year Bible. You could join a Bible study. Pastor Deji's going to start teaching one next week, right? At 8 a.m., led by a pastor. 8.15, sorry. 8.15. If you, or if you just say, you know, I, I want to know more about how to do that, well, you can come find me or find Pastor Deji. We'd love to figure out where you are and help you read the Bible so that it can change your life. Okay? The next thing that the disciples do, so they've, they've prayed, they've, done, they've read the Bible, and then they take the action they can. So there's this chasm that only God can get them across, but they realize that there's some faithful actions they can take that God will be delighted if they do. So they say, okay, well, it's clear that Jesus wanted 12 disciples, and we've read from King David and the Psalms that, you know, sometimes people fall away, and so we're going to replace Judas. No longer will this be a gaping wound. And so they look through everybody, all the candidates, they narrow it down, they present two to God, and then they have a new disciple, Matthias. 
And I love that, that they didn't just say, well, we just have to wait completely, completely, completely. They said, okay, we do need to wait for this great thing that God is doing, but while we do that, there are some smaller things we can do. So when you're waiting, friends, as you're praying, as you're reading Scripture, if something comes up that you can do, don't be afraid. Take that small step of doing what you can. And then the next step is to wait. Hooray. Right? We all love that one. (laughs) Um, I'm the kind of person, maybe y'all are too, that I do not like to wait. Um, I have a timeline, and definitely when God is saying something, or I think maybe God is saying, what I would love is just a turn list of directions. In two days, do this, and one week, do this, and in another month, this will happen, and then you take this, and I would be like, I can execute this plan. But so often, you guys, so often, throughout the story of faith, throughout our own lives, we have to wait. And as we wait, we, we don't get discouraged. And we know that when the time comes for God to move, like it doesn't, like the time comes in the book of Acts in chapter 2, then it's perfect timing. And so I, I'd encourage all of us as we're waiting to not get discouraged. Just say, we can trust God to keep God's promises and to meet us at just the right time. Still today, God is doing amazing things and inviting us into spaces that terrify us. So let's choose our first steps well. Prayer, every day of our lives. Immersing ourselves in the word of God. Faithfully doing what we can. And then faithfully waiting for what only God can do. And may God lead us through amazing new doors into things we never thought we could do before, but with God are possible. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the early disciples who definitely felt the fear that we often feel when you call us into something new, um, but who took such faithful first steps and we can learn from them. And all the steps that came after that, honestly. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in our prayers to you, and our connectedness to you, our reading of your word, and our commitment to doing what we can. And help us to wait with with our faith and our courage intact. And Lord, may you open up new things for us, things that we never thought were possible, even today. We ask this in the name of our Savior Jesus, who trusts us and loves us. Amen.